Hello, dear listener. I hope you are healthy and having a great day. This podcast invites a very special guest and friend, Hillary Harrison, nurse by background and current director of infection prevention and control, overseeing all 20 plus ERFs throughout the U.S. for kindred health care. Infection prevention and control measures have become fundamental in for our facility operations as patients and providers are counting on advanced protocols to reduce the spread of COVID-19 and prevent further outbreaks. Hillary takes us back to almost one year exactly when COVID-19 outbreaks began happening in the U.S. She talks about how hospitals prepared for the worst and conquered the many challenges this pandemic presented. As more and more healthcare workers are receiving their second COVID-19 vaccination, I invite you to listen to the journey of how Kindred Hospital's Rehabilitation Services Division got to where they are today. All right, so joining us today is Hillary Harrison, Director of Infection Prevention and Control for our Kindred Hospital Rehabilitation Services Division, uh, making some time for us today between some important work around ensuring our hospital staff are um, vaccinated first and foremost. So thanks so much for taking some time to be with me today, Hillary. Yes, thank you, Brooke. I'm so excited to be talking to an old friend and get to um, kind of teach everybody a little bit about what I do and what our inpatient rehab hospitals have been experiencing over the course of this last year. Awesome. So um, like like Hillary said, she's, she's also going to dive into what she does in infection control and during this whole COVID-19 pandemic and how her experience and her role has been from the beginning leading up to now. But I thought we'd kind of start since a lot of our listeners are students and nursing students with um, where you started at TCU. And can you tell us a little bit about your journey as a graduate from Texas Christian University? Yes. So I graduated from Texas Christian University in 2014 um, with my BSN. And um, I actually was a student nurse um, for my senior two clinicals um, at the Fort Worth inpatient rehab. So I went there. I had no idea what to expect. I didn't really know what a inpatient rehab was and the types of patients that went there. But I went for my senior two clinical and I just absolutely fell in love with it. So after um, I passed my NCLEX, I went to go work there um, full time as a a floor nurse um, for several years and then moved into the hospital educator um, position as well as um, a PPS coordinator, which is prospective payment systems, which is how we measure essentially how our patients do, what their baseline is when they come to us and what their functional levels are when they discharge and go back home um, or to whatever level of care that they need. So I did that for about a year and then I moved into um, the infection control nurse position, still at the same hospital, the inpatient rehab in Fort Worth. And I was there for about a year um, and then I left to go work at uh, a county hospital where I lived in Fort Worth. 
So after about a year of doing the uh, hospital educator infection prevention role, I left Kindred for a little bit to go work at a county hospital in my area, um, just doing infection prevention. So I was on a team of about eight of us that included IPs and data analysts, um, and eventually was the manager for, for that group um, at the acute care hospital. So it was about a 500 bed hospital, um, has about 50 outpatient clinics across um, the county, and it was a really great experience. I learned so much um, from being there for that period of time, and I was there for a little bit over a year and then came back to Kindred with student programs, which is Yay. the team Brooke is on, yes, <laughs> and was helping with the nursing students, so um, helping assist with clinical placements, working with our inpatient rehabs and our LTACs to be able to have these students do their rotations at those sites, talking to nursing students at conventions and conferences, and just teaching them about Kindred and what a great company it is to work for. Um, and my personal experience is being a student nurse and and working in an inpatient rehab. And then in March 2020, everything changed. Mm -hmm. So since my background is mostly in infection prevention, um, I do have my certification in infection control. I was um, pulled to join our quality team to help support our inpatient rehabs. Um, we have 22 right now across the country and help the the infection preventionists that are at those hospitals, at those sites, day-to-day -day manage the ever-changing guidance and the struggles and challenges that this COVID-19 pandemic um, brought. So, you know, this has been about almost a year of, of being in this role and, and assisting these IPs. And I have just been so incredibly just blown away at the commitment, at the dedication, at the just pure drive to do the right thing and to make sure what we're doing is safe, not only for our patients, but also safe for each other. Um, but I'm sure we'll talk more about that. And I'm very excited to get to talk to all of you today. Um, but I'm going to kick it back to Brooke and see what she has for me. Great. Thank you so much for um, giving a background of, um, you know, graduating nursing school up until now. Um, it has been quite the, quite the experience to witness from the student programs team how incredible, you know, you and your team and our hospitals and frontline workers have just all come together. And, you know, I, th I joke when I say this, but nursing your nursing superpower is definitely infection control. You've just really taken the bull by its horns there. Um, so let's kind of dive into, so we're in the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, can you kind of break it down and tell our listeners a little bit about what your day-to-day -day is like as the director of infection control and prevention? I know it changes, but if you can sort of outline just you know, how you've seen COVID-19 affect the hospitals or, you know, the PPE needs and, and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in the beginning, kind of back when 
COVID, you know, really started having an impact for the United States back in February and March, we were kind of at the mercy of the, the disease. And by that, I mean, we were still learning so much about how it's transmitted, what type of PPE do we need, um, when do we need to implement transmission-based precautions, and how do we do that safely, and how do we protect our staff? And, you know, making all of these decisions without knowing any timeline of, is this going to be something that ends in two months, or is this something that like we're in right now, you know, a year later, we finally are able to to give vaccines. But, you know, I would say over the course of the past year, my day-to-day has changed quite a bit. Um, what has been interesting to see is, you know, we have 22 inpatient rehab facilities right at this moment across the country. And it was very interesting to see how, you watch COVID-19 kind of affect different states and communities and parts of the country at different times. Mm -hmm. There would be times where we, you know, would be sending out guidance and information on, you know, how to prepare, whether, you know, everything from when we went to universal masking, which feels like, you know, forever ago, to universal eye protection, um, the whole fit testing, process, making sure we could source the right um, type of N95s. And it was interesting because what we saw was, you know, there were states that were affected at the very, very beginning of this. And I'm having conversations now with states that are maybe just taking their first COVID positive patient. Now, you know, not to say that pretty much all of our sites have experienced positive healthcare workers um, but maybe not all had, had had the experience of having a COVID positive patient um, where most of the patients that we were seeing through the course of this were COVID recovery patients. And, and we can talk more about kind of what, how our practice has changed over the course of, of this last year to uh, in a minute. But yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a different day every single day. Um, lots of unpredictability, I think. Everybody feels that in the healthcare system right now. And, you know, I think a lot of us are really hoping that the vaccine is a means to, to some sort of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but, you know, really looking to the future and looking at what we've learned this mm-hmm. past, this past year. And, and you oversee the, the infection control for all 22 of the earths across the U.S., right? Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, so that has been, um, it was a little bit daunting in the beginning, but, you know, there wasn't, there hasn't ever been a person that was solely dedicated to, um, like on a corporate level to help out the um, infection preventionists. And like for us at the inpatient rehab facilities, infection preventionists in the inpatient rehabs are wearing you know, multiple hats. So they're doing infection prevention, they're covering employee health, since, you know, our inpatient rehabs are joint ventures. And sometimes the joint venture has employee health, um, or, you know, it's partnered with the inpatient rehab to do employee health, but not all the time. 
Um, and typically, you know, they're also the educators as well. So they're doing general hospital orientation, general nursing orientation, and they're the educators, not just for nursing, but for all the staff that come into the rehab hospital and need new hire orientation, training, shadowing, whatever it might be um, to get them ready for their role. Mm -hmm. Gosh. And if you think about it from, from their standpoint, it just, I can, that had to have been so stressful. And I know just from reading up and research, there's been so much stress and anxiety and fear, um, you know, strong emotions leading up to the pandemic and during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just how has burnout been looking in the facilities and what's been your biggest challenge personally that you would say? Yeah. So that's, I mean, I can't any emails and webinars and things that I see come across social media Mm -hmm. about, you know, nursing and, and not even nursing, but just, just the people who are working in healthcare right now and how, you know, it's, we've been in kind of fight or flight for so long and that wears and tears on your body and and your mental health. And, you know, I think in the beginning, um, you know, back, back in March, one, people had information overload, information burnout. They were tired, myself included. They were tired of the changes, navigating the CDC website, hearing stuff on the news, seeing stuff on Instagram, not knowing what to believe, what are the reliable sources, and just kind of weeding through all the excess Mm -hmm. that was surrounding this. So in the beginning, I would say it was definitely just like information, we can get through this, we can get through this. But then, you know, we went into four months, six months, eight months. And people were like, when is, still are, you know, when is this going to end? Is this our new normal? I think we hear that a lot. Is this our new normal? How long do we have to wear masks for? And I think, you know, a lot of us don't have that answer yet because that's all going to be dependent upon herd immunity. And, you know, you have to have a certain percentage of, you know, really, if you're looking at the United States as a whole, vaccinated and immunized before you can talk about herd immunity, where things could potentially go back to where they were prior to March 2020. But, you know, that's still something that's, that's unpredictable. But I, I definitely feel it. Um, in the staff. Yeah. So, you know, you, you mentioned the, the new normal maybe and, and what that looks like. And it's funny because I was just talking with a friend who, um, their six year old had a birthday and, you know, on the cake where it comes with like a practice or like a plastic cover up, what they had done is they had taken the number six candle and and stuck it into that plastic, (laughs) um, case. And so when she blew the candle, it didn't get any, you know, blow or spit on the actual cake. So it was like a new, and I think that's going to be the new normal because when you think about it, um, all like these, these things and these practices that are recommended by the CDC that, you know, help prevent, the spread of germs and disease, I feel are going to 
to continue on, you know, like frequent hand washing and such and um, hopefully not masks, but have you seen a lot of, you know, this, these new guidelines and, and impl- impl- implementations within your hospitals act as sort of a refresher for um, frontline workers, like, you know, hand washing, wearing masks and just stuff like that or? Yeah, so I think definitely, I mean, it's something that we're all exposed to and we all, you know, have it in our in our lives as healthcare workers with as far as PPE, um, you know, and, and during flu season, sometimes people, you know, based on respiratory etiquette and things like that would wear masks more than than any other time of the year. But this is just like something totally different. Um, I think in the beginning, it was an adjustment. But I mean, I can't I don't walk into a hospital without just seeing every single person, typically in a mask and eye protection. And, you know, it doesn't even phase phase people anymore. It's Mm -hmm. what people want to see. because then they know and they feel protected and they feel protected themselves as healthcare workers. But I think as far as, you know, wearing masks and what that's going to look like in the future, we're still, we still don't know. It's still very up in the air of when life that was anything like, you know, prior to March of 2020, when, when that could come back. Um, you know, and I, and I, you, you might see a bunch of stuff talking about how this is a record year for number of, for such a low number of flu cases. And you have to wonder, you know, is there a correlation, um, whether it's people were traveling less or people, you know, were, were being socially distant or people were wearing masks and were more consistent or better with hand hygiene. There's just a lot of what ifs and you know is one thing related to the other um that has come out of of this pandemic so i think we will be learning we will still have lessons learned from this year for i mean decades to come so it's 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 been as everyone says truly unprecedented absolutely yeah yeah and you know, just like you said, we're not sure if this is going to be the new future normal for infection prevention, but there have definitely been a lot of interesting things to take from it and, and look into closely, you know, like the, like the hand washing and, and whatnot. Um, right. How do you, so how do you assess barriers to infection prevention within Kindred's um, inpatient rehabilitation healthcare system? Right. So, you know, specific to, to COVID, um, when you talk about like airborne um, infection, isolation rooms or negative pressure rooms, majority of our hospitals have at least two of those negative pressure rooms. And so in the beginning, um, you know, we weren't, we weren't seeing a lot of active COVID patients within our hospitals, but more like COVID recovery patients, patients that had maybe been diagnosed with COVID, had been in an acute care hospital and had, you know, had COVID, let's say 30 days ago, and now they 
um, they have declined as far as like their ADLs and things like that and um, need some rehab to kind of get back to their prior level of functioning. So I would say some of the barriers in the beginning were the changing guidance of, okay, what is the most appropriate and safest way to take care of these patients that obviously have a need for rehab and especially what we saw for speech therapy. And we saw a lot of these patients really needing um, speech therapy when they would come to rehab. And so figuring out, you know, when was their positive test and when did their symptoms start and when were they put in isolation and how many days has it been? Do they have symptoms? Are they on a nebulizer treatment or any type of aerosol generating procedure where they would require or need a negative pressure room? And do we have a patient in that room? Should we move that patient? So it was, it was lots of figuring out, okay, what, what are the types of patients we want to take, we can take, and are safe to take, and how can we manage them in our building? And, you know, we have patients that are COVID positive. We have patients that are COVID recovery. We have patients that are just general rehab patients. But, you know, it also depended on where the rehab hospital was, what state, um, what the, you know, impact of COVID was for that area. Um, So there were, you know, barriers in that sense. And then also barriers of trying to make sure um, we had, you know, the right amount of staff, um, if we had staff that were out, whether it was due to being COVID positive or exposures from either out in the community um, or from their family or wherever it might be. And then also, you know, the ever, the ever um, consistent battle of making sure we have all the PPE necessary. So N95s, gowns, gloves, um, disinfecting wipes, um, you know, everything you can think of that seems, you know, was you could just go into central supply and grab what you needed. But now you just had to have such a different level of awareness of these supplies and what, you know, you could potentially have to be preparing for. Mm-hmm. Were, did any of the rehab hospitals face any shortages of PPE at any time? And if so, how did how did we navigate that? So we had a great group within Kindred um, that was working on sourcing PPE from everywhere and anywhere. And it was, you know, a full-time job just making sure that we had, that all the sites had everything that they needed. And that could be anything from, hey, one hospital has a surplus of N95s um, and they haven't had many COVID positive patients. Let's send it to this hospital. So there was lots of sharing of supplies within our hospitals. um, And also, you know, just getting creative in sourcing different um, companies or sellers that had what we need, had what we needed, and, you know, was appropriate. So I think like even Ford um, Motor Company, they had made reusable gowns that could be washed up to 20 times. Um, Yeah. So, and then you also hear about like Battelle, um, which is the, the reprocessing of N95s using vaporized hydrogen peroxide 
um, that was a service that healthcare companies could use to reprocess in 95. So, you know, there were so many things that were happening kind of all at once because everybody was feeling this, this huge need. But again, we had such a great team that was helping us navigate through all of that. You know, we were always looking to the future because we, everybody was sending in their, their supply list and their PPE list every day. So we knew what the status was of each hospital. And you, you know, there's certain calculations you can do of burn rate for PPE of, okay, how many days based on our prior usage do we have left of these gloves or these N95s? And kind of using that to help plan for getting the supplies before it became like a dire need or a crisis situation. Yeah, I love that. I love it's my my two favorite C words are uh, collaboration and creativity. So I yes, that's awesome. Um, well, hey, I know uh, you have important meetings today and other things to get to. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? Um, you know, on on infection control in in the Kindred inpatient rehab um, division. Um, I think just kind of as a closing note, I think, you know, Kindred really saw as far as what we could do with our inpatient rehab facilities is really have a service that would benefit these COVID recovery patients. Um, You know, some people don't have symptoms and some people it is a battle just to get out of the acute care hospital and they, you know, need, need help afterwards. So as much as people, I think, might be resistant or hesitant to wanting to go to another level of care, go, being in another hospital, we've seen you know, great outcomes from our COVID recovery patients. Um, and I think that Kindred has really stepped up to, to make sure we can still safely provide um, that, that level of care for our patients, because that's that's what we're here for. And that's, that's our goal every day. Um, But yeah, I've been really, really proud to be a part of um, everything that is, that has happened for the past year and, you know, looking, looking forward to the future and what else we can learn and be better and just keep, keep having hope for the future. Yeah. And and I'm so proud of you, Hillary. You've really stepped up and just, put your cape on no hesitation and you've just been flipping out hats like like it's no one's business so kudos well I you know if I could go and I mean hug every (laughs) single one of the IPs that I have been working with over the past year you know they are they have truly held it together and and I you know I wouldn't be here without them so I you know I have such just such a special place in my heart for all of them. Um, even if they, you know, don't know it, (laughs) they, they, they certainly do. Um, and it's not been easy. This is not, this is not for the faint of heart. And, you know, I've, again, I I know I've said it a couple times now, but they are, they've truly stepped up to the plate. And, you know, I think this also just really shines a light on infection prevention Mm -hmm. in general. Um, You know, it's always been important 
but now people are really seeing the true value of having somebody who's passionate and and advocating for their patients and their coworkers um, in that role. So, so yeah. So that's that is a positive that's come out of this. Is you know, IPs have really been um, you know pushed pushed kind of into the spotlight and didn't ask for it. So <laughs> it's yeah. I I can't say better things about, you know, the role and, and what everybody has done across the country. 